Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm here with Leo Brodigan. This is Jack Spillane, the editorial page editor at the Standard Times. And Leo had an interesting offer for me recently. Um, Leo is 90 years old. Yep. And um, he grew up in the Netherlands uh, during World War II. And um, like many people uh, from that time, uh, he experienced things and uh, saw things and had a unique um, experience that I think it's important to document uh, for future generations. And so Leo is going to talk to me this evening a little bit about um, what life was like um, growing up in in, in Holland in the mm-hmm. uh, early nineteen, late nineteen thirties, early nineteen forties. Well, we were occupied by uh, the Germans in uh, May nineteen forty. How old were you then, Leo? Uh, Eleven. Eleven. Mm. And did you know they were coming? Was there a lot of talk? Uh, well, I was eleven years old, of course. You know. The day was strange. Uh, lived in an apartment, the bottom and the, and the first floor. When I was my bedroom was on the first floor, and had a window. It was a beautiful day, May, May uh, the first, I believe. And uh, I thought it was thunder and lightning. It uh, mostly the thunder that woke me up. And since I, my bedroom was on the first floor, looking out, and I had a window, of course, that's where I looked out, and it was a beautiful day, and I wondered what that noise was. It was so surprised. And I was. I said, Ma, I hear something that there's no clouds and no rain, no lightning. Just noise. There was a time that Rotterdam was bombed in the center. It was completely demolished. Just the center. And it killed a few thousand people. Special hospitals, I remember. Yeah, mum says, no, that is not thunder, you know. This is more than that. So I said, I'm coming down, I'm going outside, you know. And sure enough, there were people outside, and we lived next to a store, and the manager was outside, we all knew him. And uh, he held me by my uh, hand, and he said, this is uh, bombs, these are bombs. When you're 11 years old, of course, it was just excitement, you know. And the rumors that went round that the people that are sympathetic, we had 
like in Holland, is freedom of parties. We also have the National Socialistic Party. They, of course, were already warned before, and they were ready for the Germans, evidently, because some of our soldiers were running and walking around in the streets, were shot at by people on the roof. They were national socialists. They were national socialists yeah, in Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. Netherlands is freedom. If you want to be a national socialist, you you are a national socialist. Evidently, you know. But being young, of course, we found that absolutely terrible because they were Dutch. You know, they were from Holland, shooting down on the, on the Dutch soldiers. It was. Uh, a day I'll never forget, of course. It's just that I was 11 years old. And, but also excited, especially when you hear the planes you know, coming over. And, what do you call the fighting planes in the air, fighting with the German fighting planes? But it was just exciting, you know, for an 11 year old. <clears throat> Did the Dutch have a, Did the Dutch have their own planes? Well, yes, well, yes. Uh, after five days that the war lasted, because we were overrun by the Germans, of course, but we fought. Our army did fight, and after the war, we heard how many planes they shot down from the Germans, and how many. Dutch planes were also, of course, excitement. That's what it was for an 11 years old. Yeah. Did you? Especially when you saw them fighting in the sky. Planes, you know, chasing English as well as uh, German and Dutch planes, fighting the German planes. And then the stories of Germans jumping out of the planes. And they were shot at the Dutch uh, army, which was mo mobilized, of course, instantly, practically. Well, there was always a guard, but then there was national. They were all called, you know, our, our army, navy, and especially the navy, because that's how our queen escaped uh, with uh, daughter, Juliana and husband and children escaped just in time to England and that's our queen is named Queen Wilhelmina. She uh, reigned for about 50 years and she started in 1890 at that time and she stayed in England and the queen went with her uh, husband as well. He, also got away to Canada. But the Queen stayed in Holland, in England, and called us up by radio, the underground. Of course, the underground was right away made. You know, these are people who were more or less repaired, prepared to, to, to go in hiding. In the beginning, it was... Uh, of course, uh, yeah, what do you call that? Uh, patriotic. But uh, they made mistakes by 
not knowing how vicious the Germans took um, reprisals. So it wasn't that long that they could kill, let's say, Germans uh, after they overran. And then an agreement was made, of course, but we still, we had an underground right away, you know. But we had to be very careful where, because if it was near a town, they would take the men of that town and uh, put them against the wall, you know, and just shoot them. So they had to be very careful and not to uh, those things in the vicinity of uh, villages or towns or where other people could have got hurt. There were towns that they took them in and just put them against the wall and, and shot them, and killed them. That happened quite a few times, so the underground was very careful from then on uh, to where the uh, uprising would be. But they were getting stronger and stronger. They set up an, uh, a radio system to England and made sure they got all the news what the Germans were doing and what they're not doing to England. And nice part was that, uh, of course, after a year or so, you got the rules. If they find, if the Germans found that you're listening to a radio and not only destroyed everything, you know, as far as radios is concerned, but the people were putting into camps. And some of them, if they were Jewish, that's concentration camps that started fairly soon. But at least the underground would stay in touch with the Queen the underground and the English people who were at war, of course, since 39, as soon as Poland was attacked. And it was a year later that they came to Holland. So they wanted to know exactly what happened. So we keep, the underground kept in touch with London, where our Queen was, and the British uh, government knew what to do and what not to do, you know, with attacking certain spots in the country. Although we lived in Rotterdam, we lived on the outskirts of Rotterdam, uh, between the centre as well as the next town, Schiedam is the name of that town. We were about three quarters close to Schiedam. How do you spell? Schiedam, S-E-H-I-E-D-A-M. Schiedam, S-E-H. And that is, there was also water in between, a, head and a port in between Schiedam and Rotterdam. And there were some ships, uh, and the English also came over right away to protect Holland. And the Germans, of course, <laughs> what do you call it, defended. Uh, planes went up in the air and there were fights in the, in the sky. And as a youngster, there was 
very exciting for us to see that, you know. But it was terrible also because some of the bombs that were dropped by the English as well, trying to hit the port, the ships, also fell on the public, uh, you know, on the town itself. The school I went to, or we went to, my brothers and I, and an apartment where we moved to first, when we moved from Amsterdam to Rotterdam, because of a job that my mother got. But that first apartment where we lived was completely leveled, and so was the school and part of the, the church where we first moved in. Were you living there at the time? Yeah, we moved from Amsterdam to Rotterdam because of a job my mother got. Yeah, maybe I should go even further. And, uh, my father, I was um, three years old, four years. My father became sick. Uh, he had um, lead poisoning. But it was, because the doctors were not in the 20s and 30s, uh, still behind with a lot of things, how to heal people. He ingested it with playing uh, cowboys and Indians. And it was done with little piles, with little arrows and bows, you know. And somehow my father attracted, was shot by one of those arrows, which the piece of, of lead that was in the front, was a point, entered into his body and stayed there and just traveled around because many times he was in the hospital that they operate op operation but you know it just shows how advanced they were or not advanced it traveled through his body every time it was somewhere else and the x-rays it probably wasn't uh, that uh, precise where it was but he ended up in his brain, I'm sure, because he had lead poisoning. So, when your apartment was leveled, yes, was, were you living there at the time? No, no, we just moved to a new, oh, oh, to was a the, new address. It was the apartment in Amsterdam? Yes. That was. No, no, in, we're talking in about Rotterdam. Rotterdam. You had just moved out of it? We, we moved away from Amsterdam because my mother got a job since my father was in hospital, yeah. <coughs> and eventually they died in there too, because the lead went to his head and everything. I never knew him, you know. Visited him a couple of times, and couldn't understand why he didn't come home. <laughs> anyway, my grandfather, my mother's father, he was uh, in charge of uh, of all the business people that exported goods in Amsterdam. He uh, called the government and explained what happened to his daughter, my mother, that she's without a husband, he's recuperating or he's getting, don't know when, well, if he ever got well in the hospital, because the lead Poisoning went into his brain. He never recuperated. Uh, it was not pleasant. So he asked uh, 
what could we do with the mother? She has five children, you know, two brothers, uh, yeah, two brothers and two sisters. It's five altogether. And <coughs> if I think about that, it's strange. They had a job, a government job, state lottery. State lottery. She became a collectrice, what they call a collectrice. I don't know what the name here is. The one that sells lottery tickets by the state. Those jobs were usually also given to sail, uh, sailors that died at, uh, on the ocean. And they had a special community in Amsterdam, an apartment complex where the widows were, were taken care of, more or less. They could live there and it would be, though they lived on the pension or whatever we had. A lottery was legal way back then. Yeah, oh yeah. It's always been, I don't think, uh, they don't leave them or they don't put them all in, uh, although my father became, in, in his mind was terrible, because, but he was well taken care of, because my brother and I visited him. We asked him, why didn't you come home with it? He said, oh, he knew what was happening to himself. Uh, you, you look... Your mother, she can, she can take care of you. Leo, when the, yeah. um, when the bombs came, did you know it was serious or did it just seem very exciting? You know? Well, later on you hear a lot of things. At the moment, I just reacted for what the noise and what was going on. You know, it's an 11-year-old. <laughs> later on, I hear... They made an ultimatum to the Dutch government. You don't surrender, we'll bomb your cities. But we didn't surrender, and that's why they started bombing Rotterdam first. And the center of the whole town was just demolished. And we lived on the outskirts. We just moved to Rotterdam, as I said before, from Amsterdam. Did, before that day, did you know it was going to happen the were you too young the first day. Uh, they say your, the, your mother must have known that the Germans were threatening. Uh, yes, there were, there were talks, but 11-year-olds, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> there's so much that will stay with you. You know, it's mostly the physical thing that will mm-hmm. stay with you forever. Yeah. You know? Let's say there was a man called Hitler, and he was uh, very popular in, in Germany. And because my grandmother came from Germany, she came from München. On your mother's side or your father's side? My mother's side. side. She ran away from (laughs) from home in those days. It's the late 18th century. She ran away because she didn't want to marry the guy that her parents picked out for him. Uh, Later on, I found it very showing off a little bit. You've heard the name Rudolf Hess? Well, my grandmother is supposed to marry him. (laughs) They uh, arranged marriages where she came from in that time, in the late 1800s. Sure. So she fled to Holland because she didn't like him. (laughs) 
She probably had good sense. <laughs> yeah, she was a young woman, by herself. Ah, she had she some sort of intuition. Home. Yeah, she didn't want nothing to do with him. Yeah. She always kept a picture of him, though. She showed us that sometimes when we got together. She went to Holland and met my grandfather in one of his, he had about five uh, businesses uh, in Amsterdam. Uh, but she met, she, he was, she was just working, to, you know, German, but uh, was allowed, my father, my grandfather imported a lot of stuff from Germany. It was mostly spices and sausage and, and we had one name for it. He had about four or five businesses to take care of. Big warehouse, one of these old-fashioned warehouses you'll see on pictures of Amsterdam. <laughs> yes, so she uh, worked in one of her stores and that's how he met her and they got together and they married and they also four children. Yeah. My mother was one of them, only one girl. Uh, three sons. So they that was the start, so to speak. That day when the bombs first came, uh, two thousand people in Rotterdam yeah. were killed. Yeah. And that was in the center of the city. Mostly in the center. Yeah. There were some bombs fell, uh, were felled where the ships were and that's very close to where yeah. we lived, but we yeah. never well, later on, the bomb of the men's came, but some of them were from yeah. the English. They, they By mistake. By mistake. Yeah. And some neighbors of ours knew were killed. The well, place, yeah. <laughs> what yeah did they you made mistakes too, you know, but it couldn't be helped. Because we were not far from ships, so they were anchored. What did your mother tell you about the... Well, <clears throat> mostly she got the information from her mother, our grandmother, who came over. Yeah. In the beginning, I heard her say, you know, oh, because we were five of us. Two girls went to boarding school, but the three boys went home, and we were ours, you know, without a father. Mm. You know, we were not very nice, you know. You were wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. What was your question? Uh, so what when when the bombs came that yes, first day, first what did your mother tell you? Was was well, my mother said, well, well, she uh, before that, uh, and my grandmother too mentioned Hitler. He was going to change everything in Germany for the good, mm-hmm. not for the bad. Mm-hmm. Well, she was wrong, of course. Yeah. Know. But being born and raised in the southern part of Germany, Bayern, München, they're entirely different people than the one in the north, you know. (laughs) Prussia and all those uh, areas. So they mentioned, uh, my grandmother mentioned, only because we were rowdies, the three boys. Hitler, he will tell, show you how to behave, you know. <laughs> no nonsense with him. Yeah. But then... She married my grandfather, of course. But then when the bombs actually came, oh. they must have been scared for you, for, for the children. And 
Yes, of course. We moved out of the first one because it was too close to the ship area. Yeah. Too higher up on the, the we call it the Schiedamseweg. The, 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 the hell Schiedam Road, so yeah. to speak, you know. Schiedam was the name of the street. Schiedamseweg. In other words, they would probably bomb the ships. Yes, 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 yes. So, but we moved up closer into the town, not in the town, but a little closer. We were still in between Rotterdam and Schiedam, those two towns. Schiedam, by the way, makes Geneva, they're very famous for the gin. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's a nice little town, too. But uh, so we moved from just higher up on the Schiedamseweg, away from where we were bombed, or where the, our old apartment was bombed, I should say. We just moved. Church, we looked at the church, beautiful church and school where we went. It was flat, where we lived first. Second one was okay, you know, the Germans beat us in five days, finally. And then took over the schools and a lot of uh, businesses and just put the troops in there. What what were the schools like when they took them over? They lived there then, you know. The schools were closed. Oh, the schools were closed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they they lived there. At that time, slowly they were spread around to different schools, you know, depending. They probably didn't take all of the schools. Because the kids had to go somewhere. They were very, the Germans, I must say, were very uh, keen on uh, education and sports. Well, the education, of course, is uh, Mein Kampf, you know. It was like the Holy Bible. So so you, you didn't have to go to school anymore because they took over your school to live oh, in? My school. Well, no, we still, we still... Well, in Rotterdam, in Rotterdam, of course, where we lived first, there was the school too, and where we lived first was bombed out, and the school and the church next to it was demolished. So we went just to another school in Rotterdam. See, we lived in Rotterdam when the war broke out. And we were the first town that got bombed. And the idea was the Germans if you don't capitulate, we'll do the same to The Hague and Amsterdam. Capitulate and control. Small country. Yeah. There's no question about it. But the Queen and the consorts and the families, they all, just in time, mm-hmm. took off to England. So we knew they were safe, you know. How? And that's we listened to little secret things built, radios. Because if you were caught to the radio after, let's say, one year, they just took you and put in the concentration camp. So how, how did you hide the, the ra- They hide it, they hid the radios? Uh, oh, they hid, they hid everything. The first thing the Germans wanted was uh, metal. Every copper or steel or anything. And radios, of course. If you were caught to the radio, they put you in the concentration camp or they even shot you. So your mother must oh, have yeah. been telling you not to do anything, not to... Mm. Uh, be duck. All our 
valuables, I can show you which one, in the ground. You had a little spot, you know, it's a four-story apartment, he lived yeah. on the bottom, so we had a little piece of land, as you call it. Yeah. Before they, the rumor was that they collecting all kinds of uh, metal to make guns and uh, and tanks and whatever they use it for, mostly here. So what, what, you dug a little spot in the ground? Oh, yeah. And what, what did you put in there? Well, I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> These were gifts from my father. Yeah. When the, uh, he and his girlfriend, my mother, <laughs> were engaged. He was sent to Indonesia. Ah. Oh. And he sent all these... Uh, the elephants? Yeah. All these things that are from Indonesia, yeah. especially rice houses and the carts and the yeah. oxen. Yeah. That was his wedding gift. Are they gold? Are they? No. Yeah. Brass. 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 And that's what the Germans were after. Yeah, metal. And that was dug in the ground. Okay. And the oil paper and everything. Around and it. dug it up as soon as we were liberated. Yeah. By the Canadians, by the way. <laughs> because they took care of our uh, queen and children. Yeah. She went to Canada? Years. Yeah, she went first to Canada. England, and then the, the family went to, except yeah. for the queen. Yeah. This was Princess and her German husband, Bernard. Oh, boy. Five children or something. They went to Canada. How long did the um, Germans Occupation? occupy Holland? Five years. Five years. Yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> so you would have been six, 16 when, yeah. when the war was over. Yeah. Oh, so your whole young yes. adulthood. Yeah. It ruined. They yeah. ruined all the people. That's age, you know. My brother was a year younger, and second brother was a year younger again, with five of us. Three boys and two girls. The girls were older. Did you go to school all that time? Uh, Most of the time. Yeah. Not all the time, not yeah. the last year. Yeah. There was a hunger then. Hunger? Yeah. Uh, you see, when they, t when they came, and the Jews had to uh, be called in to a building, let's say, uh, it's the main building in the town, official building. City Hall. But City Hall, you know, yeah. you can call it. Uh, uh, well, that's what they would call it in America. Right. To report. They were report. So the Jews, they say, just for identification. And the rumor was that they would be shipped to Poland and re-nationalize re, uh, them into Poland, next to the Russians. <laughs> but that was a common. They just wanted to know who and where they were. But they had to go to the city hall to register. And of course, they, they got hold of uh, information the Dutch didn't destroy, you know, not all of them anyway. 
But all they wanted to know is that the Jewish population in Amsterdam was the highest of the whole country, you know. I would say about 10,000, 15,000 Jewish families. Uh, some of them came much earlier. They saw this coming on with Hitler, so a lot of them already came to Holland and Belgium and France. So the one that lived there and the families, they had to report to the city hall. And they were issued stars. And it was compulsory that they had to wear that. Just for identification, they said. Did you see them with the stars? Oh, yeah. yeah. Just for identification. And when they started rounding them up, by rounding them up, is they were told, let's say, after two years, all the Jewish people are going to be transferred to the East. And the rumor was Poland. They're going to live in their own community in Poland somewhere. So the Dutch uh, never thought anything of it, except that they missed country people, you know, countrymen that they had to be moved. Well, it was just a matter of replacing them to certain areas. That's did, you're did, so innocent, you know, you have to remember that time of the year, Holland was spared with the First World War. They completely bypassed oh, Holland, you know, yeah. the Netherlands. It had nothing to do with it. Germans came through Belgium yeah. and France. So we were very, if you want to look back, so innocent, <laughs> not thinking what would later on develop by this crazy man you know, that was in charge in Germany. So just for documentation, then they start, I say the second year, third year already, they're going to be transferred to uh, Poland. That was what they said. You know. And in the meantime, they had to go into a concentration camp. They had to pack whatever they needed in suitcases and be ready to be picked up by trucks and shipped to a concentration camp near Amsterdam. We didn't call it a concentration camp, it was just a park. They they called it (laughs) later on. It was just a concentration camp to put all the Jews together. There was a park in Rotterdam where they put them? No, Amsterdam. 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 It's closer to Amsterdam than it is to Rotterdam. See, we lived in Rotterdam only because my grandfather found a job for my mother. Um, 39 or 38 till 41, three years that we lived in Rotterdam. So we just were there when the Germans attacked and bombed most of the city in the city of Rotterdam. And then you went back to Amsterdam? Yeah. My grandfather got her this job, so we all were together, you know, and hey, can't we go back to Amsterdam? Can't we go back to... Because we didn't like Rotterdam in the first place, you know. (laughs) We finally... This was decided by the head of the... uh, State lottery people, my my mother's uh, bosses, so to speak. Yeah. 
uh, go back to Amsterdam. No. Even as young as that, you know, we thought, oh, we're going back to Amsterdam. Because we liked Amsterdam <laughs> much better, of course, and we were used to it. And yeah. That young. You know. Although my mother was pleased too. In fact, where her grandparents lived and her family were all in Amsterdam, you know. That's what she knew. It was the place that she knew. Yeah, right, also, yeah. right. But she was doing very good uh, as as an employee yeah. for the state lottery. But they found finally a place, because with the help of her father, you know, being in charge of all the yeah. people, uh, business people in Amsterdam, to find a spot, also an ideal spot. Yeah. To go back to Amsterdam, oh, the freight truck came and the kitchen and whatever we had, furniture. And I, there was no more room for me. And I, <laughs> I went on the bike. Okay. But it's only about 60 kilometers, you know. But I was a uh, youngster still, um, in 1940. It sounds like... 12, 13 years old. Uh, it sounds like when they were telling the Jews to come in for their stars and they oh, were yes. talking about p- bringing them to Poland that people didn't understand what was really going no. on. They didn't, they didn't, yeah. I told you, we are so, I don't say innocent, but there's another word for it. We couldn't comprehend what would happen to them. They said they would be replacing areas in Poland and that's where they wanted the Jews together and uh, and shipped there with their belongings and everything. And they put them in trains. First in the concentration camp near Amsterdam, it's called Amersfoort. My uncle ended up there too. He was betrayed. Because my grandfather and him, his son, my uncle, were single. Well, no, he wasn't single. He just got married and his wife was pregnant. Hit a business couple. They did business for years, and he hit them in the attic of his home. He had a big five-story uh, place on the Amstel. <laughs> it's what the, 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 Amsterdam the, the, is he, called he, after that river, the side river of the Rhine. He, it's called he hit, the Amstel. He hit some Jews. Yes, your he uncle. Had a family. Your uncle. Yeah. Yeah. And. He had to fire some people that worked for him. My uncle was then in charge. My grandfather was just tell him what to do when he was home, retired. So they stole from my uncle. And they got, my uncle got wise of it and he fired them. And out of revenge, they knew about the, the family that. Uh. Yeah, then these were Dutch people, you know. See, that's another thing, you know. You have people that betray you for, out of, because they were rich maybe, they were more prominent citizen or whatever. You got them everywhere. You got them here. Sell their own mother, you know. Or kill their own mother. If it means that they get some money. Anyway, that's, that's what happened. The guy went to the Germans and... They came to my grandfather's and grandmother's place. They didn't touch them, but they took my uncle and his wife, who was pregnant at the time, and the Jews. 
They took his wife? No, they didn't take his wife. Yeah. Well, they take it out of the... But they, t- yeah. they didn't take him with them to Germany or yeah. to the camp. First a concentration camp where they kept him for a while and then they shipped him. Like, same as what they did with the Jews. <laughs> See, the, because she was pregnant, I think, and they didn't do anything to my grandmother or my grandfather. And uh, my uncle's uh, wife, who was pregnant, did, didn't do anything, but they stole all his... Uh, he was an expert in films. He was one of the first that made uh, 17-inch uh, films, talking films. Mm. Yeah, he was a very uh, community-minded guy, the brother, youngest brother. He went to ships that came and took the boys, you know, they started sailing already, some of them were 15, 16 years old. He would go on board the ship and, uh, and tell them where they could go and play ping pong, you know, badminton, and they can have some games there, and he'll show them Amsterdam. That was his job. He was, uh, when he was single, and he did it also when he just got married. So they let his wife go, with him and the Jewish family put in the concentration camp. My uncle never survived that. But the Jewish family, they were very lucky. When the war was over, they came uh, and they were still alive. They, uh, oh, so the family he had, they survived, but he did not? Yeah. yeah. What Do you know the name of the camp? They took him too. Oh, in, in Holland? Yes, Amersfoort. It's, it's a camp, a concert, well, how it's you, not how a concentration, they call it a concentration yeah. camp, we call it a park. How do you spell? Amersfoort, A-M-E-R-V-O-O-R-T. Z? Amers. Uh, yeah, Amersfoort. Z-O-O-R-T. Yeah, Amersfoort. A-M- and he died there? Yes. No, no, no. Uh, they took him from there. It was a concentration camp where they uh, kept all the Dutch Jews and collaborators. Collaborators, and of course, yeah. he was a collaborator. Yeah. And they took Killed him to... You, you know, they took, they him to, took him to Germany in trains, you know, to concentration... One of those concentration camps. Those concentration <laughs> camps were located next to gas chambers. But he was he was your not, father's brother or your mother's brother? My mother's brother, the youngest brother. Yeah. He was just married, his wife yeah. was pregnant. He was betrayed by one of the employees. That were your, must, your mother must have been very worried. Uh, oh, because he was the only one also that helped her yeah. a lot. Since my father was sick, you know. I was, what, I was four years old, three, four years old. And my mother left alone with five children. What was his name? Um, they had the same name. My mother's name is Cornelia, and his name is Cornelius. Huh. <laughs> and, and I got this. Is his name Brodigan? Yeah. Brodigan. My father is. Your father is? My father. Brodigan. Yeah. Right, but her her name, what was her last name? His wife? No, your mother. Oh, Vander Mason. Huh. Vander. Spell. V-A-N, it's a separate, three, seven, two, seven words. Van yeah. D-E-R, Mason is spelled M-A-E-S-E-N. 
And that was Cornelius Van der Mason? Yeah. That was his name. Yeah. And his and husband was named Cornelius. Cornelius. Cor. They both called each other Cor. Yeah. Cor. C-O-R. That's all. Yeah. This is very sad, Leo. No, I'm telling you, the time is... Well, for us, it was more... Just very exciting. And questions, of course we had questions, but they came all later. Yeah. Why did we do why did we do this? What happened? But while it was happening, it's fantastic. So when the war really was going, we thought Germany would capture the world. I really we really thought that. Up until the last year of the war, uh, the Dutch uh, Amsterdam uh, businesses and uh, labor, laborer, railway, transportation, every job you can imagine, they went on strike when they really found out that they didn't put them in a different area in Poland, that they went from the train straight into the gas chambers. All handy-packed, the little children on arm. I'm telling you, that's... If you really think about that, you know, that's... Later on, we found that out. How did they find... believe it, these were people, these were regarded as Dutch people. They lived for generations in Holland, you know. Some of them might have come later when the Hitler started to do funny things, you know. That they knew they were hey, there's something that a lot of came through Holland to Spain. My mother uh, took a couple of uh, uh, what do you call uh, tenants? You know, had a room separate. Jewish men, young men, on their way to Spain from Germany because they knew that what was going to happen. He said, "Yeah, that's the best way because we could go for Jew for Spanish." people, you know. Yeah. If you really think about that, you know, even up until now, people that are older than me, uh, German people, (laughs) I go around them, you know, but of course there's not that many left anymore, because I'm already old, (laughs) 90. Are your brothers and sisters all gone? Pardon? Are your brothers and sisters deceased? Are some of them still alive? No, the five of us, only um, three left. Three left. My youngest brother and my oldest sister, yeah. The, the bottom one and the oldest. Are still alive, yeah? No, they died. They died. She never made 90, my oldest sister. You know, just the way things yeah. go, you know. As far as that goes, I suppose nobody talks about it. No, no, no. But I don't mind because I'm older now, and I'm telling you what I see or my point of view as an eleven-year-old, and then later on you put things together. You know, yeah. You say, what the hell did I go through or we go through when the general strike came up because. Uh, the, the Dutch uh, was so we were the southern part of Holland was already uh, 
freed by the Canadians oh, was. And, okay. oh. and, and, um, and Americans. It was the northern part where I live, where Rotterdam was, and The Hague, and Amsterdam. They were the most dense populated cities in the provinces above the next wood, they were still under the Germans. <laughs> At one time, we thought they would come up like Nijmegen, a bridge too far. Did you see that? No. It's a movie. Yeah. It's about an, a town in Holland where the Rhine goes yeah. through. That's how far they got. The, the Allied. Yeah. You know, the Americans and the English and the... Well, the Polish troops too, although most Polish were uh, pilots. So the last year of the war, when the yeah. Amer- Americans and the Canadians were coming in the south, yes. and this, this just stopped by Nijmegen, where they were defeated. Yeah. British uh, tried to do something, and they screwed up heavenly. They lost most of their men. There was a garrison waiting for them when they came out of the sky by Nijmegen, a bridge too far. That's the movie. Mm. You should see it. I'll I've give heard, you an idea. I've heard of it. Yes. I've seen it on television a couple of times. And they tried. The English came, but they screwed up. They did something wrong that it was... They were waiting for them. How is that possible? I did a, a spy... Yeah. Things those Germans were waiting for them with the tanks and everything. So when they came, they just shot them out of the air. And that's when I was on the farm. Farm? Oh, I didn't tell you that yet. The last year of the war, let's say, forty-four. My mother had friends that knew some farmers in let's say 70 kilometers away from Amsterdam, in the, in the, where the farmers live. So when it got so far that everything was closed, there's no work. Can you imagine that? Everything was a standstill. No people were working. They went on strike. Yeah, all the Germans says, you want to go on strike? Well, we have enough still. We have enough food and everything. You go on strike, you do. That's how the, the hunger winter started. Everything was shut off. No railroads, no they, buses, they, no... They kept nothing. the food away from the people? Oh, yes. The people had to take care of themselves. They went with little carts, you know. You see them come out of the shopping center to the farmers, you know, around. We walked for miles and miles to get... My mother was so, I'm telling you, see, she and the neighbor was a hairdresser and his wife, they both the hairdressing thing, were close friends because they helped my mother a lot when she was left alone. Uh, two older son who were on farms then, you know, this, my mother knew somebody and she asked them, do you know any of uh, my boys could go? You know, because when everything stopped, it it means uh, you have to take care of yourself. That's it. Trees disappeared for firewood. Uh, The inside of a closet, the woods, the shelves were, you know, closed. 
everything stopped. So, so there was no help uh, except. So it's just dog eat dog, whatever people well, can do. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. But uh, for people who had no Desperate. sense of uh, going out, that's what my mother did. She had the bike, uh, the bike itself was, well, there was still rubber. But it didn't last long until they... On the tires? She, she went on a bike to the farm. She sent my, yeah. my, uh, my and my next brother to a farm. She knew somebody and they asked, uh, she said, ask around if they need any young, young uh, boys to help out on the farm. Because the farms were left alone. As long as they supplied whatever the Germans wanted, but they had always something in the ground, you know. The, the, the so she, she sent you there because she wanted you to eat. Yeah. yeah. Because they had potatoes, they put yeah. it in the ground. You know? but, they, but they had to give some of it to the Germans because they came along with the trucks and took the, the rye and the wheat and the, and the meat. So she finally found some people that... Uh, new farmers and she said would you ask them if they can use any help for boys I got two boys one is 14 or 15 and one is 13 and they did they did found two people that would take one each well mother first of all she, she couldn't bring any food to the farmers because we knew they had enough. Because they, they're self-contained. The farmers, They yeah. were the help. They yeah. were tremendous. Well, they had to go through, you know, and, and give to the Germans. And, and then they hid things and then for the people that came and begged for food. She found two farmers. My mother and a friend across the street who was a... Her, her, her barber and, and her husband was also a barber, of course. But he, he was also an ex-cyclist. Uh, he was a big guy, lean. Him and my mother went on the bike from Amsterdam to the farms where they said they, they, they might need somebody. And sure enough, and I went on the bike also, but my mother still had some rubber wheels. <laughs> and the guy, the, the barber also, also, he went. They were very close friends of us. And his wife, his wife stayed home. And he took to two places where my mother could go to that they asked for a boy, maybe. They didn't know how, how good they do it, did. Uh, the only thing is, I went first to a farm, but they had to push me because that's 70 miles or kilometers, you know, on the bike. There's a wooden wheels. <laughs> the rubber was no rubber, there was no new tires. They had the mother and the, and the, and the guy, he was a cyclist anyway, so he had extra uh, wheels, but we didn't. But you, you rode. 70 miles on wooden wheels? Kilometers. 70 kilometers, less, so you know. Maybe about 40. 
Yeah. Well, um, one was probably, and the other one had just a piece of rubber. Yeah. yeah. No air. Yeah. Because <laughs> he sometimes came back and pushed me, you know. And so two boys, my brother and I, my brother who was in the, you might have met them in the church here. They found a farm from him, and they found a farm from me. What's your brother's name? Rudy. Rudy. Rudolf. But I was very lucky. The guy was a milk driver. He picked up <coughs> the cans, the dairy farms. Milk, yeah? Yeah. He was like this. When I saw him, I said, oh, my God, I'm going to eat. A, I bet I'm going to eat good. <laughs> Of course, he knew what he wanted. He saw me, and he, I was, but I didn't, about as tall as I'm in now, you know, my growing time. I was the one that had to put the milk cans on his little cart, yep. and he would sit with <laughs> his horse, you know. He knew what he wanted. He, he thought but you were strong. I didn't mind because... He thought you were strong? To, to, yeah, yeah, strong, which I was. And food, that's the first time when we came here, I could eat as much as I want. At home we were fighting who cleaned the pot, you know, it's my turn, no, it's your turn, no. <laughs> so we found set up and he could, uh, we are a combination of a lot of uh, tribes, you know, uh, <laughs> Holland. Rudy, my, my brother, but uh, the descendants of uh, Saxons, I think. And mine is from the Batavir. <laughs> the the farmers were Saxons? The Saxons, yeah. I yeah. think they were descendants. You know, yeah. Yeah, a mix. Holland is a mix from different tribes. You yeah. know, they finally got, got chased out or fought out or whatever, yeah. or just came down the river. That's yeah. how the population started. Yeah. And then build dams so that's yeah. a piece of land. So he went to a couple, had no children. Now, if you would, you would think you would see that now in the historic museum, uh, something from the 17th, 18th century, an old couple, but very nice. They received my brother with open arms. What language did they speak? A Dutch dialect. Dutch dialect. Okay. It's a dialect, but you can understand and I get yeah. used to it. But I had this guy, big guy, and he had about four children, little girls. And uh, so I, he put me to work, first of all, with the milk kinds, you know, mm-hmm. and he set them the horse, you know, on the chart. And <laughs> but the food was fantastic, of course. Yeah. That's when I started probably to grow, because <laughs> I could eat as much as I want. And there was, we were fighting to clean the pots, for crying out loud, that's how we left. And how many children and old people died in the city, in Amsterdam, and Rotterdam. They were not uh, looking ahead, you know, my mother was, I must say, unbelievable, 70, 50, 70 kilometers on the bike, she made sure that she had things that she could exchange, uh, socks, uh, scarves, uh, 
you know, without his trousers, uh, or, you know, uh, anything she could get from neighbors, because she helped then, of course, her close friends. Drinks, oh yes, drinks, she could get, but she had to buy that all of, on the, what they call the black... Um, I tap alcohol. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, black uh, black market, they call that, you know. There were people, always people that had things to sell for food. So, what, so what, and that what? she took with her, and that she gave, the, the farmers gave them meat and, and, the, and, the, and vegetables and pork and you name it, you know, anything that is edible for what she brought, also... Socks, knitted socks, people knit socks. Did, 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 did she have farmers? Did she keep the other three children with her? No, uh, the daughters, uh, the two daughters, only the son, the youngest son was with her. He was nearly killed by the Germans. They wanted his bike, he, did he borrowed? <laughs> And there was a razzia, what they call a razzia. They blocked all the streets and they confiscated all the bikes. And then here comes uh, my brother and the youngest brother. He was uh, 12 years old or so. Touring, you know, and they tried to stop him. Hold him, hold him. My, my brother said, well, it's not my bike. And he kept on going. And he finally saw an open door somewhere and went into the door by people and uh, closed the door, but he was seen by the Germans, and they opened the door, and they not only took his bike, but they gave him a really, you know, whopping, you know, terrible, actually, 12-year-old kid. And the bike was not his. It was from the bike maker down the corner where we lived. And he said, you take my bike if you want to go, you know. Uh. Because he... he my brother went to the German uh, camps and he got things with, with the drinks that we got in the black, ma- black market. He got food, you know, and that's what he needed the bike for. <laughs> but he was, he was the youngest, so he stayed home. And my two uh, sisters worked in a rest home for, for all the people. Somehow, they, if they didn't die, a lot of them died, but there was always something given by the Germans for the people that were in certain uh, care systems, what they call them. Oh yes, you still have them here too. Where, where do the poor people go to get food? Oh, yeah. The big... The food pantry, you know, the... The, 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 um, but they make soup. soup Mostly kitchen. soup. Soup kitchen, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, the potatoes were not peeled, in the, but, but it was at yeah. least food, you know. What was the word you used when they rounded up all the bikes? A rus- a Russia. How do you spell? Ooh. R-A-R-A-Z-Z-I... I think that's it. Razzie, huh? I.e., maybe. So, Razzie. 
And so, so they wanted all the bikes, and they oh, had to give them your bike. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they took them for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I was four days on the farm. Yeah. And they had the Razi. Okay. <laughs> there was an, an, a railroad running, let's say, from the farm about two, three miles. That was always bombed by the English. Spitfires would come and bomb that, <laughs> that railroad. But there was a razzia at one time, and the farmer and I, we hid in the woods. I was only a couple of days, and then all of a sudden I said, oh my God, I'm away from the city, you know. <laughs> and here I am. So the wife said, go, 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 go in the woods, go in the woods, because they're after men, probably to work, either in the factories or dig. I was only a few days there, so me and the, and the boss, because he only had daughters, didn't have any sons. He had about four daughters, which I still visited up so, until so his, this, this day. His wife said, go to the woods. His wife said, yeah, go in the woods, yeah. Well, everybody did that. Yeah. All the men disappeared into the woods. Yeah. yeah, but the Germans knew that too, of course. So there's a whole wrong bunch of guys, because there's a spore in the railroad going. It had them lined up already for us. So they just walked through the woods, you know, and we were <laughs> trying to hide. And, of course, then they start shooting, you know, over us. And, uh, <laughs> so we got up and we surrendered. And it was only, as I said, a couple of days. After a couple of days? Yeah. But then when I was, when I got there. When you got there, they had... So they got them all together, yeah. and they wanted to put them in the paddock. They had all wires across, and at an entrance, and we all went there. And my farmer went uh, in front of me. Then I came. I said, "Oh boy, I don't know all that was happened, you know, because I did. I had about the same height as I have now. But I knew German, you know, we could." French, German, and English in school. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, there's a guard standing there, first the farmer that I worked for. He had to go in. They needed men to dig or something, mostly uh, trenches. Trenches. And he came to me. He said, he said. And then I knew German. I said, I'm from the city. And, uh, and I work by a farmer because all the schools are closed in the city and there's not enough food. I said that in German to him. And he said, and he looked at my, because if, if I didn't have an Ausweis or a passport or whatever you want to call it, a paper, my age and everything on it, I probably would have gone with my boss, you know, but I did have it on me. I said, I work by a farmer because there's nothing in the, in the city, all is kaput and kein essen, you know, nothing to eat. And I work now by a farmer. And he looks at me, 
and he said in German, go to your farmer and work. Well, was I, uh, <laughs> because I didn't know then what they needed men for. They could have sent us to Germany or something, you know, work in the factory. They took the farmer, he didn't have papers, and you had papers, your papers with you. Well, I always have to yeah. pay, but the farmer sometimes would like to that. They yeah. didn't need him, they thought. Yeah. yeah. So now what happens? He takes him away and you're, yeah, talk, you're talking he, to the German. I see him walking away. And you're talking to the German. And I was talking to the German. In my school Dutch, in my school German, that I am here and work on the farm because there's nothing, no food, no transportation, nothing going on in the cities. And people are starving, actually. They were. It's, it's, it's a very, and the schools are closed. And I work by on the farm now until this is past, you know. And he said, uh, go to your farm and work. In German. I was proud that I could speak this German and explain myself. <laughs> so he, he was good to you? Yes. Yeah. He was, you know, just in charge of people that he had to garden to work for them. And my farmer turned up about a week later. His wife, when I came back by myself, where is Gart? G-A-R-T. Gart. Gart. <laughs> where is Gart? I said, well, they, they took him and many others. <laughs> But they let me go, and I felt bad, you know, that, that he wasn't with me. Here I am, and she is with a strange young man, and not her husband. She must have been very upset. Oh yes, she was very upset. But he he returned to uh, what a week or two weeks. So you can imagine the reunion with his wife. Where is Hart? Where is Hart? And he explained that he had to dig uh, trenches for the Germans. This was the last year of the war? Yeah, the last full year. Like. Then Arnhem came. You should see that movie, A Bridge Too Far. Yeah, I will. I will. Montgomery screwed up. Montgomery was the general of the English. Mm -hmm. He screwed up. They were waiting for him, the whole division of German tanks and everything. He shot them out of the sky. And they bombed that town, Arnhem. How do you, how do you spell that? A R N. Uh, uh, let me see. Uh, an H A A H A R N R N M and then H A M. Arn Hem. One word. Arn yeah. Arn. 
Was that a battle there? Yeah. At Arden. They tried to invade. The, the British. English. The English, yeah. With, with uh, we call them farmschermjagers. What do you call the ones that jump out of a plane? Army. Parachuters. Parachuters. Yeah. An army of parachuters. Yeah. Germans were waiting for them. So they already, a lot of them, thought that they were going to lose. Yeah. When that started, they fled to Germany and they came all back after the, it mislucked. And it, uh, they were beaten. The whole division what they sent over in the air. Huh. They were waiting for him. How was the north of Holland eventually freed? Canadians. The Canadian soldiers. They freed us. And they went into Germany beat everything and then they came back into Holland. I, sat, I, I was working for my farmer and pulling out sugar beets feed for the cows in the winter. Sugar beets. It's on the border of Zoyde Zee. Well, now it's called Eiselmeer, but uh, he had a piece of land there. Is that the, Which is was that uh, half an hour, three quarters of an hour from his farm. He had a piece of land where he grew those sugar beets for the uh, cows. Zoyde Zee, is that the, uh, the dike? With the yeah, the Zoyde Zee is the, oh, it's the lake. The lake. Yeah. So I just see it's called. It's a mixture of salt and fresh water where the rivers come in. Yeah. And they recovered, drained out big parts of the Zoyde Zee and made land and cities on it after the war. Zoyde Zee. Uh, Z U I D E R Z E E. So it is the Eiselmeer. Eisel is a river. It goes in there. But then they make a dike in the north to cut it off from the ocean. You were pulling out the beets when the when the when the Germans came when the Canadians came? Yeah. How did they come? What's a dike? You know, the sea. The sorry the sea. They came on then long. you have a dike. No, no, the, the, Canadi came on the, dike. the Canadians, when they freed yeah. you, did they come in troops or did they come in a boat? No, uh, tanks. 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 A row of tanks. We saw, we heard the noise from the west. So, in other words, from the German side. And we looked, you know, we dropped down what we were doing. I said, these are tanks. But they're not German. So we ran up the dike, you know, was to greet them. And they stopped. And we were screaming and yelling. 
<laughs> what I don't know. Yes. Expression of relief that we're being liber liberated. That, that we'll never forget in my life. We'll never forget that. Away from Amsterdam, with the farmer I was working with, for There they came, the Canadians. They were, turned out to be the Canadian. Um, what do you call a slew of, of tanks? Tank column. And maybe had, you, had, you, had, you, had you heard rumors that they were going to be coming? No, no, no. Well, we knew that it was going bad for the Germans yeah. because a lot of them went back to Germany, you know. And we wonder how far it was. Don't forget, there's no radio except to the one that's underground, but not people that lived in homes and houses. Because they would put you in a concentration camp to ship you to Germany if you get caught. Same as my so mother put all the brass and everything in the ground. You know, if you were caught with that after they asked for it, the same thing, they put you in a concentration camp. You were absolutely like clay in their hands, you know. You never went through time of wartime. Holland was spared the Second World War. You can just imagine what they did in Belgium in the First World War. So you didn't, you didn't have that much information about what was going on in the war. No, only what we heard sometimes. He has this uh, secret radio. But it was mostly meant where the underground was, where they could help the English, yeah. or the Allied, as you'd say, what to do. Your mother, your mother had one. No, no, no. The farm I was the on. Farmer. Uh -huh. No, my mother didn't. No. In the city, uh, too many neighbors, and uh, yeah. most of one nut. All it takes is one nut. Right? Yeah. You got, you got a lot of national socialist people yeah. siding with the Germans too. And so, and I had a friend, she went to live in France, and she said there were French that were siding with them too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We had a division of young men fighting for the Germans in, against Russia. They sent them to Russia. <laughs> yeah, because they, they didn't want them against their own people. Yeah. Yeah. And the ones that survived, they never came back. They settled in Poland somewhere, yeah. you know. They wouldn't dare to come back. No. It's 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 very hard for anybody. Like if you would have gone through the civil war on this country, you know, then you only know how people behave and some of them betrayed their own mother, if it was their life, you know? Like this employee of the prep decided to join, uh, give the Germans information where my uncle lives and what he did. 
And I had one uncle who was my godfather, brother of my father. He and his oldest son, which is two or three years older than I was, and my nephew, who was his cousin, son of uh, brother of my father. They, they were in the underground. And I'm talking about two weeks before the end of the war. Somehow they got betrayed by a traitor, where the location was, where they got together information from Allied uh, pilots, jumped out of a plane, underground workers that were chased by the Germans, workers that escaped uh, the factories where they were forced to work. My uncle and his oldest son ran an underground communication system for the undergrounds. His name is Hendrikus, was my godfather, was betrayed or found out, I'm not sure how, but the Germans found out about where the location was. Our uncles and his helpers, about a dozen people, took care of flyers, Allied flyers, and people from the underground who were being chased by the Germans supplied them with what do you call rations? Uh, we, we got rations uh, every week with so much bread, so much green, so much what do you call that here? Yeah, but they distribute it. and also uh, passports and Auschwitz, the Germans call them Auschwitz Auschwitz for people that were on the flight, you know. They wanted to get away from the Germans as fast as possible. My uncle and his group supplied them with maps and ways how to get to Belgium and Spain, where there was together a point where they could get uh, boats to go to England. I told the museum that they just opened up the Second World War Museum in New Orleans. They wanted to know about me. They uh, said, well, I'm not a hero, but my uncle is. And I supplied them with the name of my uncle. He's, he was here and they have him as an honor uh, what is his name? His name is Hendrikus. Hendrikus Brautigam. H E N T H E N D R I K U S. Hendrikus. Is this. His son this got this away. He, his son wasn't caught. This is not the, the uncle who 
No, was hiding the, the no. Yeah, it was a brother of uh, a brother of my mother. This is a different uncle. This is a brother of my father. Okay, Andrikus. And he was helping people get away. Yes, passports, uh, rations, papers, uh, uh, papers. So they could and and maps where they could uh, follow through Belgium, through Holland and Belgium into Spain. You come from a good family on both sides. Yeah, well, who, what would have happened to me if I was age? I was 16, 17 when the war ended, and I was working on a farm together, just for, keep from starving, you know. Well, who knows what would happen to you if the war kept going and you became 18. Well, luckily, uh, 45 May, May 45, exactly, you know, I think it was the 10th, was the liberation. I'm not too 100% sure of it, but I think it was the 10th. It's a big holiday in Holland, I'll tell you that. Leo, did you know at the time that that um, your uncle was helping people get away? Or did you learn afterwards? It was about uh, 10 days before the liberation. Yeah. That was the sad part. That he was found out. Yeah. What happened to him? They put him and seven others they caught. And one 16 year old, but they took him away. But he had to watch a firing squad. And he's. Uh, he was buried in the province there, and then they transferred him, his body to an area in the northern part of Netherlands, because this was happened in the south, you know, because he was close to Belgium. And as an as a hero, you know, did they did they did they bury him in a place for heroes? Uh, uh, afterwards, afterwards, yes. Yeah. Well, they just put him in the ground. Uh, it was so close to the end, you know. And he was my favorite uncle. Well, the second favorite. <laughs> because the brother of my mother, he was there all the time and helped my mother much more. He was not in the underground. He was more... He was so different. He would go to ships and invited uh, the young uh, snot-nosed that just went through the sea the first time. He was uh, very Catholic also. But he took them to a mission, you know, and let them play so they don't go to the bars with their uh, mates, with older mates. And where they could ping-pong and, uh, and rest and talk and have fun. I'm talking about 15, 16, 17 year old, he would go to the ships that came in. During the war, mostly after the before the war. And enthusiastic uh, filmmaker. Yeah, as I said, the, the 17 year old, 17 inch uh, talking, uh, he was one of the first. 
talking movie camera. I'm talking about the 30s, you know, the 40s, and 20s maybe, you know, how old he was when he had his first. He was the youngest brother of my mother and helped us. She got suits from him and she made long trousers to fit and jackets for the for us yeah. boys. My mother was a genius. She was uh, highly educated by nuns in a special uh, boarding school. Her fathers from well-to-do uh, fathers sent their daughters. My grandfather was a well-to-do person. And he, he didn't have much patience with his children, and he sent them all to big, expensive. <laughs> you know, the men were all piano players and very highly educated. He was a pacifist. In those days, you could pay somebody to stand in for you. Yep. That's my grandfather. Yeah. You had nothing to do with that. <laughs> He must have been smart, though, to be a good businessman. Uh, oh, he was. Yeah, he was in charge of the businessman of Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah. He had uh, four or five uh, stores already. Well, you know, Amsterdam is these buildings, you know, pack houses, what they call. Yeah, and I'd, never store been, things. I'd love to go. Uh -huh. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you think... Um, some of these things affected you. These things that you. I think it's affected me for the rest of my life. I mean, you're that young, you know. Mainly because even a doctor explained what was going on and why. We all found out after the war. Yeah. How terrible they were. So you did, during yeah, the war. Was, you didn't, you during didn't... the war, it was also exciting, you know. You didn't really know what I'm telling you now. That all came out. A lot of it came out after. So it sounds also like during the war, you're just trying to stay alive. Just, mm -hmm. yeah. And I was very lucky. The last year that I was placed by a farmer, which uh, I loved doing the work, I really did. And I noticed, but mostly for the food. Yeah. It was open air, and I, I don't know how many uh, boys were so lucky as I was, because a lot of them I met here, they were, they were starving wherever they were, and scrambling for walking railroads and picking up things that was lost by fruit, uh, freight cars pick up from the street or the railroad. Garbage and... Garbage, yeah. Food, potatoes and... Your mother, your mother lived through the war? Yeah, she was the one that kept us alive. What? She sent two of us to farms yeah. in the last year. That was the worst year of the war for everybody. That's where most people died. Old people and kids in the big cities. Terrible. 
so they went crazy when the light came in. I missed it, but um, I saw it later on the television, of course. The troops came in, Amsterdam. There were still Germans in the hotel right next to the palace. And they were shooting first, and when the Canadians came in, they set up their guns to the hotel. If you guys don't surrender, we'll start shooting, you know. I'm so glad I didn't do that because that's where our palace is, in Amsterdam Square. And next to it is a big hotel. That's where they were still in the last Germans. Not only Germans, also the traitors, you know. The Germans were in the hotels, yeah. and they said, the, 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 the Canadians said, if you guys don't yeah. surrender. Yeah. Right. Okay. We'll start shooting. Yeah. Well, they came with their hands up, of course, and then the public. <laughs> They surrounded them, and they were, of course, the Canadian was guarding them, but uh, they were kicking them and pulling the hairs of the women and kicking the guys, the sympathizers. Those are the ones that would trade their own friends and, and relatives to the Germans. The hatred was terrible. You hate to think of oh, yes. people people Jinx. being willing to betray their own friends and their family, yes. but, but that's human nature. It's yeah. human. Well, it depends on the circumstances. You keep your mouth shut, too. Yeah, keep you keep your mouth shut to keep yourself out of Keep time. it for yourself, yeah. Because you had people that betrayed because they were so influenced. The first thing the Germans did, they, we were cop scouts. Well, that was eliminated right away. The Hitler Jugend took over. I was ready to be in the, the next step for the Saturday. After cop scout, what do you get? Boy scouts? The, the eagle? eagle? The, uh, um, 12 years old, you have to. Explorer. Yeah. yeah. You go to the Cub Scouts, the Boy Scouts, the yeah. Explorer. Yeah. So they eliminated that right away. We had to become a Hitler Jugend or nothing, you know. Hitler so Youth. Yeah. The Hitler Youth, yeah. yeah. Disbanded Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, that's right, Boy Scouts. We were just, uh, I was just on the verge of becoming Boy Scouts. Yeah. <laughs> and some, some people did become Hitler Youth then? Well, the sympathizers, yeah. Oh, sure. They let their children. Oh, yeah, and they marched through the streets as the traitors. Yeah. Sure. We had a division of men, young men, that fought. They sent them to Russia. <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised if. Well, thank you for all this time. But I think we just right. touched the surface. It's about time maybe that uh, people really realize what happens, you know. I mean, you can't, you have to watch every 
look over your shoulder who's behind you and you're walking together with friends yeah I, I can't thank you enough Leo um, I, I just feel I, I, I want to talk to you some more but I I just um, you have some more questions about come later maybe that you want to know about well, no, if I could come yes, next week yes. if you have time um, <laughs> because I think I think you know when when you've talked enough you'll know when I've talked right. when I've asked all the questions on my mind out you know what I mean right. um, uh I might talk enough, but you might have things to say, hey, I want to ask that, yeah. and I didn't have a chance. It's very interesting to me, and I, I think very important um, uh, for these stories to be told, um, you know, of, of your generation. Um, my father, who died very young, was in the war. Um, he fought, um, he was on a transport ship going from Antwerp to Murmansk, delivering supplies oh, to the Russians. Oh, one of those. To yeah, the, Russians. the Germans were so proud of that if they could <coughs> land a torpedo in them. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't talk really about it, but um, terrible, and cold. But um, these, the, uh, everybody has a different story, and it's all so interesting. And I think that that these things, you know, happened. Be important to. To um, document them now yeah. while people are alive. And yeah, and we were, as I said, all of us so immature and innocent in a bad way, I think, mm -hmm. unprepared for the things that followed with family and friends. And they said, well, let's go to America. <laughs> the land of the free. Well, they have problems here too. <laughs> Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.